Amen. Thank you, guys. Morning, church. Morning. I'll be good to be in the house of the Lord today. Yes. Good. Okay, well, as Chris mentioned, um, started a word last week from the book of Haggai. And um, I want to continue to teach um, through that book and expound on what we started last week. So um, if we can pray and then we'll get into the word. Lord, we want to thank you again for this opportunity to share your word. Lord, I thank you that we have the liberty to come here and um, seek you this morning. So Lord, I pray that as this word is shared, that you will touch the hearts and the minds of those who are here in the Lord Father. Lord, let it so seize into our hearts that will bear much fruit, O Lord Father. Let your spirit transform our hearts, change us, O Lord Father, into the people you have called us to be. Pray this, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 So, last week, um, I titled the message, um, like, near the end of the message, I gave it a title, and we called it Building, build, was it Build My House, I think I said. No? Someone said no? Okay, even I can't remember exactly what I called it, but I'm sure I said something along the lines of build my house. So I just want to give a quick recap of what we covered last week, some of the points that we covered last week, So, because we're going to continue from there. So we were in the book of Haggai, and um, we start off by the Lord speaking to the um, children of Israel and saying to them that, they have said it is not time to build the house of the Lord. And we said that um, the question we asked was, what are you saying to God with your lifestyle? With your life, what are you saying? Not with your words, but with your actual life. Because we can see that the people weren't walking around saying, oh, we'll build God's house later. That wasn't the case. And um, this book is overlapped in um, another book, Ezra and Nehemiah. So you see some of the stuff that's going on there. But there was some um, opposition when they first started to build the house. And um, the, the Samaritans were giving them some resistance. And in the end, they stopped building the house. They only built the foundation, and then they stopped. And so I'm sure the people weren't walking around saying, ah, God will deal with you later. But God said, you have said, now is not the time to build the house of the Lord. Rather, you're focusing on building your own houses, your paneled houses, he says. Or some translations may say your sealed houses. And um, because materials were sparse at the time to get materials, if someone's house was completely sealed, that means you've done well. Like you've got a paneled house, a sealed house. So that's why he emphasizes that. Oh, but you're building your sealed houses, your own fortresses over there. Okay, cool. And so we asked that question, we asked that question, what are we saying to God through our lives? God sees our hearts, not just what we say, but he sees in our hearts what we're doing. And so we can see that the people have moved from a heavenly vision to a personal vision. And we spoke last week that we need to come back to God's heavenly vision. We need to come back to building his house. And we spoke about the house being we are that house. It's not a building. We're not trying to build a building and, you know, bricks and mortar and windows. That's not the aim. The aim is that we are the house of God. And we must build up ourselves so that we will be effective in building the house, the church, the ecclesia for the Lord. And we're going to touch more on that today. 
we mentioned four areas that we sh um, should consider our ways in. The, the scripture says that the, God said to the people, consider your ways. And then we spoke about four areas. I wonder if we can remember what the four areas. Anyone here want to say what the four areas were? Does anyone remember? Putting everyone on the spot now. I see the silence. Okay, we have, we have one hand. H happens to be my wife. It's a bit of a cheat. <laughs> what we invest in. So that's one. Okay, number two. What are your comforts? Mm -hmm. Three. How we handle our finances. And the last one, our appetites. So we mentioned the four ways where we need to consider our ways. And I don't know how people did this well, or did this well, how people did this week in doing that and reflecting in those four areas. I know I definitely did. And, um, you know, a lot of stuff makes you think, a lot of stuff comes up when you start to look at these things quite um, intentionally. Um, we spoke about building God's house and the reward of our obedience to building God's house is God will be with us. That God is all that we need and through God we can do all things. Okay, so that's kind of a recap of what we touched on last week and the main emphasis being that we need to consider our ways and that um, building God's house. So we move on to chapter 2. And I would encourage you to read the book of Haggai. It's a very short book. It's two chapters long. You can read it in like 20 minutes, half an hour, you're through it. I mean, it's very quick. It's a very small book, very powerful book. And um, Haggai was one of the minor prophets. And he's not minor because what he said is inferior, but more so because what he said was less. You know, like you look at Jeremiah, Isaiah, and those books are quite lengthy. And there's a lot to say there. But um, with Haggai, we look at two, two chapters, but they're very powerful chapters. And in his ministry, he was very effective because the people responded. The temple did get built, although it wasn't fully 100% complete by the time they finished it. Some bits were done later on. But the people responded to what the word of the Lord was. So he'd done very well in his ministry. Um, you see in other prophets, there's a lot of stress and do rest that the people are not listening <laughs> but um, he done well, he done well. So let's come to chapter 2 of the book of Haggai. And um, he starts off with another word from the Lord. And it says, in, from, from verse 2, it says, um, or from verse 1 even, it says, The word of the Lord came by, by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of, we said that word that we moved quickly past, governor of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Zehozadak. Do you know what? I checked out the word. I practiced it. But as I'm standing here, it just, it's just not going to come out properly. So I'm not even going to try. Um, the high priest and to the remnant of the people saying, Who is left among you who saw the temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? So... This, this word, the thing about Haggai is he's, he's labeled his prophecies very well. So you actually have the dates. And his whole ministry lasted for around three, four months. It wasn't very long. It was around three months. So he's labeled this. And this is around, um, I think this is around a couple of months later, he's come back and he's saying this to the people. And he's asking them, any of you saw the original temple? Because the temple they're rebuilding is a temple that Solomon built. And we talk about Solomon, one of the wealthiest men. So you can imagine how exquisite and lavish 
this temple looked, I mean, nothing was spared. Every single, whatever he wanted material-wise, it would be gold, diamonds, precious, precious stones, whatever he wanted to use to build this temple was there. So you can imagine the, the grandeur of this building. But the building had been um, destroyed, and with that, they took a lot of the, the gold, and all this stuff was taken and stolen. So when they're rebuilding this temple, you can imagine, pretty much size-wise, it was almost exactly the same size, slightly smaller, but still huge. But it was lacking something. You know, it was lacking that grandiose, yeah. And so Haggai asked the people, and again, not many people would have been able to answer this because if you think about it, they, um, the people in captivity, around 70 years, so those who had seen it would have been around 70, 80 by now. So not all of the people that were there would have seen the original temple. Only a few would have seen it. But he's saying, doesn't this, it looks like nothing in your eyes. And I know whilst I was reflecting and going through considering my ways. There were some things I was looking, I was saying, hey, Lord, this, this, this living for you is not easy. When I look in the scripture and I see the standard, and I look at myself, I'm like, hmm, it's not as, as, as it should be. You know, it's not as grand as when I look at how you lived and so forth. And I was, hmm, Lord, it's not as beautiful as what I'm reading. I read the scriptures, I see Jesus moving in power, and then he says, you know, we should go, greater works we shall do. And I'm like, hmm, am I doing those greater works? I see the disciples moving. I mean, they're walking and people are being healed by their shadows. Disciples, you know, not Jesus. They're laying hands, healing the sick, raising the dead. And then I look at myself and say, okay, I'm a disciple. But it's not as powerful as what I read there. And so he says, you know, is it like nothing in your eyes? And sometimes we can feel discouraged. As we, the word we shared yesterday is consider your ways. When we do that, we can sometimes become discouraged. Because when we do consider our ways, we say, I don't add up. I'm not on that level. But he gives them a word. And before I move on to that, there's something we also need to recognize here. Um, you get a sense when you read the scripture that the people were feeling down and discouraged. But remember, these people hadn't seen the original temple. So the only reason why they have this is because there's an older generation saying to them, in my day, this temple was a lot better than this. Look at, the, where, where's all the gold trimmings? And oh, this is a bit shoddy. So they, from them, they were getting a vibe that this work they're doing just isn't quite measuring up. And so there's also a word to us that we have to be careful how we... Talk about the house of the Lord so that the younger generation is not discouraged by the work that they are doing. You know, sometimes we talk about, I know for a fact, I talk about, hey, when I was growing up, there's so many distractions that I see they have now that I didn't have. I didn't have these tablets and this social media and stuff growing up. That wasn't part of my portion. You know, so I wasn't, that, that distraction wasn't there. I had my distractions, but that one wasn't one of them. Now they've got all kinds of things going on. And sometimes we speak about, oh, look, you're not... We speak about their circumstances in such a way because of our experience that it makes it very discouraging for them because they didn't live in the time that we lived in when we didn't have distractions. That's, that's their portion. 
they have the distractions, they have all that stuff is there. They're growing up with it, it's normal to them, that's part of their reality. And so we have to be careful how we talk about our experiences compared to the younger generation's experiences so they are not discouraged to continue the work of the Lord in what we are building and what we are doing. Amen? But Jesus turns around and he, or the Lord turns around and he speaks to them and he says to this, Yet now, be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord. And work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. Even when we see this in scripture, the, the Lord says to us, be strong. In other words, and, and I'm going to... I'm going to come back to this as we move forward. But he's saying, even when you look and you think that what you're doing is insignificant or it's not measuring up, he says, the work you're doing is not insignificant. Be strong. That word strong there talks about to make firm or to make strong. It talks about, um, oh, interesting. I just realized that my word study, I didn't put in my notes. That's really interesting. Okay. <laughs> it talks about make firm, strong. And so he's saying, don't, don't be dis discouraged by what you see because the work you are doing is of great importance. And I'm going to talk about what that is when we talk about the temple again, how we expound on that. Be strong. The reference point for our building as we do this where as we are building, they had the temple of Solomon, but our reference point is Jesus Christ. He is the one that we are looking to, to imitate. Paul said in Corinthians, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So when we look at Christ and we look at ourselves, sometimes we can be like, okay, Lord, you really need to help me now. What's going on? But in Life Center, the way how we are working towards living up to this is through our values. We've said our values are a reflection of who Jesus Christ is. And so... I want to use this opportunity to remind us of our values because this is how we are keeping ourselves on track for becoming like Christ. And so pledge this is our values. So let's just quickly go through them so that I can make sure that we are all on the same page. So P, and Chris, you're not allowed to answer any of them. <laughs> so P is for purpose. L. E. J. <laughs> Good. Well, I'm glad that most of us know. So those of you who don't know, catch up. But if you look at all of these values, purpose, Jesus lived with purpose. He came with an agenda to restore man to God. He had a purpose. Leadership. You know, everything we talk about, we talk about being a church full of difference makers. You know, if we are waiting for someone to do something for us, nothing will get done. If we are waiting that, okay, you know, when this person rises up, I will follow them, then you may be waiting for a very long time. But leaders are self-governors. They know how to govern themselves. Leaders take initiative. Leaders are the ones that go ahead and go first and other people follow. And that's what we are, the, one of the values we want to um, exercise through our lifestyle is that we are leaders. Amen? Amen? Excellence. 
That's interesting, yeah. I've got, I've got leadership there. But love as well. <laughs> the Lord will speak in leadership. Leadership. <clears throat> it was very clear when I went to my notes on Pledge This, I saw leadership. Maybe I was getting download at the time. But love as well. Yeah. We need to be a people of love. You know, love covers a multitude of sins. We cannot deal with the world out there if we do not exercise love. We are going to meet people coming from all types of backgrounds, going through all types of situations, in all types of bondages. And if we do not have love towards them, then we won't be able to reach them. It's love that binds us together. It's love that allows us to connect with people that are different from us and in the world. Excellence. We have to do what we do, we said last week, to please and honor, honor and glorify God. We have to do everything with excellence. When we look at the building of the temple, I studied the actual Temple of Solomon. I studied um, the whole kind of story behind it, how God said he wanted it built, gave the instructions, how they built it. There's so much in there. But if you look at that and the tabernacle even, you realize that God is very specific about the building of the tabernacle and the temple. He wasn't like, okay, guys, just, just build me a building. You know, just, just do me something, and I'll, I'll come and do it with you. That wasn't how we did it. He gave a whole book, you know, these books that we like to jump over when we're doing our yearly reading plan. You know, those first five books after Genesis, or the, the first four, the four books after Genesis, you know. I'm going to jump over them. But if you read them, Leviticus, Numbers, hey, Deuteronomy, you read those books, you hear the detail that God put into saying what he wanted. There was excellence in what they done. They brought the best craftsmen to build and to put together the tabernacle, to sweep the, the tapestry. It wasn't just like, I'll just go buy that cloth. It was the best cloth and it was put together in the most, the most fantastic way. Couldn't buy it in the shop, one of a kind. No ASOS, no as seen as on screen, no, none of that. Just one of a kind. You can't find it nowhere else. That was how it was. The temple, Solomon had the money, to the, the wealth to, to get any materials he wanted. He got the best of the best of the best. That's what the temple was built from. So when we come together and we are thinking about building a church life center, like what this church represents, what we are about as people, we have to be excellent in what we do. We have to come with excellence. It should, when people look and come to this church, they say, hey, this church is powerful, man. That everything is just on point. That's how we should be. And by God's grace, we'll get there. Amen? Jesus Christ, the very picture and image of what we are seeking to, to become like. We have the, the word that shows us, Jesus Christ. Teamwork. We see in the book of Haggai, we see in the book of Nehemiah, we see through the disciples, we see that no one is an island, that God uses people together in community. The church is a community. And so teamwork is important. We must learn how to work with one another. We must learn our strengths and our weaknesses, learn how to help our brother, to be our brother's keeper, to lift each other up, to keep everyone encouraged, to, to, to move forward together doing the work. Amen? Amen? Teamwork. We have to work as a team. And Jesus did this. Jesus, the, the Son of God, came and got 12 disciples. He didn't come by himself and say, right, I am the Son of God, therefore I need no help. I would do this, but no, he got 12. And the 12 continued the work, so much so that they said that the world that they knew was turned upside down because of the 12 disciples. 
holiness. We we're going to talk about that again today. But we need to be a people that are set apart unto God, a holy people. God says that we are royal priesthood. We are a holy people. We're not common people. Holy things are not common things. We're going to talk about it. We have to see ourselves as set apart unto God, not just Joe Bloggs doing what Joe Bloggs does with a tag. That's not what it is. Integrity. We need to be who we say we are, and we need to be who God says we are. Our word should be our bond. We shouldn't be one foot in, one foot out, you know, at church. Hallelujah! In the workplace. Beep, 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 beep. We need to walk around with a sensor. Beep. That shouldn't be how we are. We need to be integrous. And again, by God's grace, we are integrous. And then stewardship. We must recognize that what we have, what we own, is not ours. We have been brought at the highest price by Jesus Christ, by his blood. We belong to him. And therefore, everything we have belongs to him. So we must recognize that and steward things well. Use our resources well. Our money, our time, our resources. We must use them to the building of the kingdom, to the building of his house. Not just for ourselves, not for our own purposes and our own pleasures. So these are our values, and these are how we are wanting um, to become more like him through these values. So continue to meditate on them, continue to integrate them into your life, bit by bit. I'm not saying we're going to change overnight, but we're going to continue to strive and work on this. Amen? And that's how we build the church, by striving to be like Christ. So he says to them, be strong. And oh, what do you know? I did pull it in my notes. It was just... I changed the position of it. To grow and make strong, to prevail or to show courage. And God says this to them three times, be strong, be strong, be strong. Okay? He talks to the leadership, he talks to the, the, the priest, he talks to the government leadership, and he talks to the people. Be strong in all areas, be strong. And then he says, work for I am with you. And this is the thing. To, to build the church that God wants us to be, we're going to have to work. We're going to have to labor at it. As the grace of God is available to us and we take hold of it, we have to work. If we come, get excited, go home, sleep and enjoy ourselves for a whole week, come back, and then, okay, we're going to get excited today, and there's no work, then the house is going to be exactly the same. The foundation is just going to be there, still in ruins. Nothing is going to be built. We're going to have to work. We have to come and hear the word and put our hand to the plow throughout the week, whether it be through praying, whether it be through studying the word, whether it be through exercising and then putting into practice that what we've heard. We're going to have to work so that when we come together, we see the house becoming stronger and the house growing. That word work means to make or manufacture. It means to do to accomplish or to achieve or to act. In James, um, if we can put James 1 verse 21, um, James chapter 1 verse 21 to 25 up. It says, it says, therefore, uh, what is this, N, is this NLT? If, you, if you've got ESV there. 
Okay, we'll leave it at that. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but what it, do what it says. So there's the doing. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he is like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So this doing that we're talking about is putting into action what God is saying to you. We have to work. It's not enough to hear it and be like, that is a powerful word. It's not enough to hear it and be like, I agree with what you're saying. It's enough to hear it and say like, yeah, that resonates in my life. I can see what you're saying. That's not enough. What has to happen is we have to put it into action. Okay, now I've heard you, Lord. Now I can see that there's something I need to change. I need to change it. And we do that through prayer. We do that through continuing to encourage ourselves in the Lord. We do that through encouraging one another and helping one another to grow and to change. But it means we must do that. It says that if we don't do that, we are actually deceiving ourselves. Every time we hear the word and we get excited and we don't do nothing about it, we deceived ourselves. We made ourselves think that something changed, but nothing did. So we must work. In 1 Corinthians 9.27, Paul talks about he buffets himself. If we can put that up. Less after he's preached, he himself. He says, now I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. He says he buffets himself. Now, he's not talking about he punches himself. I know there's some, there was some funny priest things, monk, you know, they whip themselves. That's not what he's talking about. But he's talking about he brings himself under subjection. He doesn't allow his body to rule him. He doesn't allow his, his like we spoke about last week, his appetites and his, his comforts and all his, um, you know, how he, his, what he wants to buy and all those things. He doesn't allow those things to rule his life. Rather, he brings himself under subjection and says, no, I'm not going to go after that appetite. No, I'm not going to allow that to be my comfort. It's going to be the Lord. I'm going to continue to pursue the Lord. I'm going to continue to do what is necessary. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read the word. He buffeted himself so that he would be ready for the prize. Amen? And so we must do that. That's part of our work. We have to discipline ourselves to be disciples and followers of Christ. Not to allow ourselves to be blown around by any kind of, you know, fad or doctrine or anything that's not of God. We have to be deliberate by, and align ourselves with the word of God like we read in James. So, he says, work for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. And again, like he said in chapter one, I am with you. God is with us. And interesting, he says not just that. He says, um, I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. And that word he's talking about in Egypt is when 
He told Moses, go and build a tabernacle because I want to I wanna come and dwell among you and be with you. We find that in um, Exodus chapter 29, verse 45. He said, go build a tabernacle because I want to dwell amongst the people. And so God is saying he is with us in the same way. Now, there's a reason why he's saying this and he says, fear not. But there's a reason why he's He's highlighting this because, you see, one of the important things about the rebuilding the temple is when they rebuilt the second temple, there were some things that actually were missing from the temple that were, not, that were in the original temple. And the most important thing that we read about that doesn't, we don't read about it coming back to the temple is the Ark of the Covenant. In the, the different readings I did, there's at least five things they say were missing. But um, in fact, let me just read the five things, but I'm only going to talk about two of them. It says that the things missing was the Ark of the Covenant. And because the covenant is where the, um, is where the presence of God will sit on the top of the Ark of the Covenant between the cherubim and the, I think that's the mercy seat. That's where the presence of God will come and sit. That's where God will speak from. God will speak from the Ark. It says, it's okay. It says that Okay, God bless you. <laughs> okay. It says that the Ark of the Covenant was gone. So because the Ark was gone, this means that the Shekinah glory from the temple was no longer there. And this is one of the things that distinguished the temple. The people, and we read in Solomon, it says that the people, when they were worshipping, when they did the dedication, it says the glory came and they had to stop and lay face down on the floor because of the glory. And he's saying that this glory was no longer there because the Ark of the Covenant was no longer there. Also, it talks about the sacred fire. There was a fire that came out with the presence from the Ark of the Covenant, a consuming fire that was no longer to be seen. Another thing was the Urim and the Tirim, um, Tiribim or Tirim, which was like a, um, a, a breast priest that the priest would wear with, I think, 12 different stones on it. And through, these, um, through this, God would speak to the people. He would give them indications to let them know which tribe should do something, or he would use it to, in, like, basically, that like, stones would kind of like light up or something like that, so that they would know, okay, God has spoken, it's this tribe that needs to do that, it's this. And he would indicate things through the Urim and Turim. And then lastly was the prophets. The temple was where the prophets would come, they would speak. And... After the building of the, the temple here, and we read about Zechariah and Malachi, actually what happens is there's a, like a 400, 500 year silence before we see John the Baptist. And so that, there was a, definitely a diminishing in what happens with the second temple. So God is saying these things to them, I'm going to be with you because they're not going to see it the way how it was happening in the previous temple. And that's how it is for us as well. You know, we read about, I always am fascinated and I read, when I read about children of Israel coming out of Egypt, and it says that during the day there was a cloud, a pillar of smoke, the presence of God, and during the night there was a cloud of fire. And I, my head just, I'm, you know I'm into film, my head just goes, I'm trying to imagine how I would be. I'm walking and there's this big inferno just moving in front of me, like there's God, you know. God's, God's in front of us. 
There he is. Oh, look, there's a pillar of smoke today. And then you see Moses goes in a tent, and then this cloud comes. And like, hey, God is there. And you go to the mountain, you see thunders. Hey, God is there. Can you imagine? But God is saying, you're not going to see those things. But don't fear. I am going to be with you. The same way how I was with them in the wilderness, with the children, in the tabernacle, I'm going to be with you. And that is the same way he's with us today. In fact, in an even more powerful way, which we're going to look at. So he says, I am with you, fear not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the, to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of the latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. So what is happening here? What is he talking about? Now, this is a very prophetic statement that is happening here. And when I read it, he talks about the shaking. God says he will shake the heavens and the earth. In Hebrews 12, we're not going to read it because of time. He talks about this also. But when you read, when you when you read it in the context, what I believe the Lord is saying is saying, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, and the treasures are going to come to the house. That's what he says. And I believe what he's talking about here, in fact, um, let's, read, let's read Hebrews 12, 25, 27, so you can understand the context. Because what he's talking about here is the, the glory of the house is going to be greater because in that day, the temple, only the Levites with a priest, with a woman that can go in the most holy place. And it was only the children of Israel that worshipped at, at the temple. But now, God has opened it to the whole world. He says there's no more longer Jew nor, um, what's it, Jew nor Greek or slave nor bond slave. In other words, now the world can come to my temple. The world can come and worship. Are we going Hebrews? It says, be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the, er the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his vo voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Now, he's talking here, in the, continue reading Hebrews, he's talking about people coming to God now through Christ. And so what I believe the Lord is saying is that, remember we talk about we are the materials that God is using to build? I believe that God is saying that he's going to shake the nations. He's going to shake the earth. And in the shaking, people are going to call out for God. And we are going to be able to gather in the materials. You know, there, there are, you know, there are precious stones out there lost in the world. There is gold, there is silver lost out there in the world. You know, we, we sometimes we come amongst ourselves and like, hey, how you doing, everybody? But hey, there, there, is, there is more treasure out there. I'm glad we enjoy each other's company. It's very good. It would be very bad if we didn't. But there is more people that should be in here. These seats should be filled. There is shakings happening right now. We hear about Brexit, we hear about Trump, we hear about all manner of things. I don't even turn on the news that much these days because there's so much. 
Everywhere I go, everyone's talking about it anyway, so I don't even need to put the news on. It's everywhere. But there's shakings happening. And the things with shakings, and I heard someone give an illustration that I thought was quite good. He said that in an earthquake, an earthquake is one of the things that show you that nothing is reliable because everything is shaking. There's nothing you can hold. It's like, okay, I'm safe. Everything is shaking around you. And so you, there's no certainty. There's no where is safety, where is sure ground. And so people are feeling that way. People are feeling, where is safety? People are thinking, should I stay in Britain? Should I move? Should I leave? You know, what, what do I do? People are thinking all kinds of things. Are we going to trigger off some next type of war here? Is what's going to happen? People are unsure. But the Bible says that the church shall not be shaken, that we are on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And so we have to show and be the unshakable thing in the times of shaking. So people will come and say, how are you so okay? How are you so happy? How are you so confident? How are you so sound of mind with all this is going on? Why aren't you worried about this? Why aren't you panicking? Say, oh, it's okay. I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm living on the rock. It's all good. Say, so, I, need, I need some of that rock. Okay, come, let me show you. And we lead them to the Lord. And the reason why we're saying these precious stones are out there is because... Um, Wow, time is really going quick. I thought I wasn't going to have. Okay. The reason why we say that is because, let me see. The reason why I say that is because, look, Solomon used the most expensive materials to build the temple. And if we are the materials, then it means that we must build up ourselves so that we become that gold, that silver, that diamond. We spoke about that last week. Now, the work of the fivefold ministry is to shape you guys as materials to be put into God's building, God's big building. Let's read some scriptures to show this. Um, let's start with 1 Peter 2.5. It says, And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest through the mediation of Jesus Christ. It says, you are his holy stones. Now, interesting thing about the temple, when they built the temple, it says that all the stones were cut, not on site, but off site. It says that at the site of the temple, you heard neither chisel nor hammer nor nothing. But they were all done off-site and then brought on-site and built. It's like prefabricated houses. We build it somewhere else. We come put it together here. And what I feel the Lord saying is that that's how our lives are. That God is building us. He's dealing with us. He's handling us outside of the context that we all see each other. But when we come together, we are placed together into God's glorious building. Amen? And the work of the ministers is to make you into what God has called you to be. So you find the... The evangelists, their job is to go and get more stones, more materials, bring in the materials. So whilst the shaking is happening, we need to go out and evangelize. You know that when you go to a quarry to get rock, you know they use explosives to break the rock. So these shakings are like explosives breaking up the rock. And we need to go and say, oh, don't worry, come with me. We'll, we'll get you fixed up. We'll fix you up. We'll fix you up. We need to go out there and bring in those who are being affected by the shakings. Amen? And then the, the pastors and the teachers, our job is to, to chisel you, to saw you, 
to shape you in a nice way, in love. We spoke about love earlier. But that's our job, is to shape you into the stones and the artifacts and the designs that God wants to display in his house. Amen? So when people look, they say, wow, it's amazing. They're talking about you and what God has done in your life and God shining for your life. That's why it's amazing. And then the apostles and the prophets, their job is to position. So this is where you need to be. This is how I've placed you. They let you know God's mind about your plans and your purpose, um, the, what God is doing in you and the plans and purposes for your life. And so we are all being built into God's grand design. And you need to ask yourself, what part of God's temple am I? How does God want to use me in his temple? What is my role? And there's so many things. I mean, if we look at the temple, there's so many different purposes and functions it has. The scripture says in Hebrews 3, 6, um, no, in Hebrews 16, 18, that Christ will build his church. And that's what we must recognize, that Christ is building his church. As he is working on us, as he is transforming us, as he is changing us, he's building his church. And he is filling us. And this is why it says the latter glory should be better or more than the former glory. God will fill his house. The scripture says that the spirit lives in us. And this is how um, we spoke about last week. This is, this is what we must be striving for, for God's presence to be manifest in us. God with us. This is the key. Two minutes. Let's see if I can cram these in two minutes. Let's just go to Ephesians 2.22, please. It says, through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives his spirit. Um, Corinthians 1.27. Instead, God chose things of the world. Is this Corinthians 1.27? Uh, Sorry, Colossians 1.27. I saw C and instantly thought it was Corinthians. For God wanted them to know that the riches and the glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. That this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of, sh of sharing his glory. That glory is Christ in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. The more we allow Christ to reign through our lives, the more glory is shown, the more the world will see God's glory. And one of the reasons why the church is belittled and not spoken well of is because the church doesn't, people cannot see God's glory. People have seen people building their own houses. And they say, okay, this church has got this, this church has got that. But where's the glory? But I tell you, when the people see the glory... When the people know of the glory, when the people know that this person was so broken and so oppressed, but not because of some psychiatrist or because of some physician or because of anything, but because the Spirit of God touched this person's life and now they are doing things that they never thought they could do. So how is this possible? What, because you come and you meet on a Sunday? No, 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 no not because we meet on Sunday. Because we have a relationship with the person who we worship on the Sunday and throughout the whole week, of course. <laughs> And they say, okay, 
I need to know about this. And when they see that glory, then they, then they want to have that glory for themselves. The world is going through shakings. And again, after this, after what I read, he talks again about more shakings, that he will shake the heavens and the earth and bring down strongholds. And the Lord is doing this. Lastly, Lastly, I want to talk very quickly on two things. Um, Haggai asked the priests a question because the people were complaining. It's, it's, it's three months in, they're building a house, but they're still, they're still not getting, like they said, we'll be blessed, but they're still not getting all the crops. Stuff is still not flowing the way they thought. So, Lord, what's going on? So, Haggai asked him a question. He goes, Look, when you take something from the, the temple, holy meat, a holy food, and you, that meat touches something, that is like a plate or something like that. Does it make the plate holy? Is that, no, it doesn't. So, okay, cool, cool. When you take something unclean and you go and you touch something, does it make the other thing unclean? They was like, yeah, yeah, it does. So, okay, he goes, well, the same with you people. Because what you do with your hands, you are building a temple with unclean hands. That's why you're not seeing the blessings. And in the same way, this is why we spoke about last week, about building this house. We have to set ourselves apart unto God while building his house. We have to be a holy people so that as we do God's work, God can release those blessings. When we don't do that, it's like building religion because God can't be in it. Because we've not, it's not a set apart work, it's a common work. And God doesn't manifest on common work. The temple wasn't common. There was none like it. There won't be any. Even the temple they done, the Herod's temple, that it was nowhere near what Solomon put together. But when we make ourselves holy and we set ourselves apart, then God can bless it. And so he gives us that illustration. And we need to ask ourselves, is what we're doing clean or unclean? But when we do this, when we stand right and we cleanse ourselves and we do God's work, he says his final word, and I'll just jump to the end. And he gives his word to Zerubbabel at the end. And he says, look, the word of the Lord came to him saying, I will shake heaven and earth. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and those who ride in them. And horses and their riders shall come down, everyone by the sword of his brother. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Sheatiel, says the Lord, and will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, says the Lord of hosts. The Lord will choose us. The Lord has says that we will be a great church, a church to be reckoned with. It says that the Lord, when we live this way and we set ourselves apart and we focus on building God's house, it says, I will choose you to be a mark of my authority. I will choose you to be a mark of my glory and of who I am on the earth. And that's what God will do. He says, I will use you like a signet ring, not because of us, but because God chooses us to do it. And that's what we are praying will happen with Life Center. That's why we are living the way we are living. That's why we are striving to do what we're doing. That's why we are spending time praying, fasting, getting into the word why we are taking the time to examine our ways. 
because we want God to choose us in these last days to be a signet ring, to be a mark of his authority, to be a mark of his goodness, of his testimony. Amen? Amen. Let's close our eyes and let's stand. We're going to close there. Or we're going to end the message there. Lord, I just want to thank you again, Lord. And I just want to encourage every single one of us here. Don't be discouraged with where you find yourself. As long as your heart is that you want God to be glorified in your life and that you seek and you work to honor him and to allow God to give you the grace to change your ways, don't be discouraged. It's not by our strength, but by God's spirit. It's not by our will, but by God's spirit who stirs us up to do his work. We read that in the first chapter, it says that he stirred them up. And I just want to encourage everyone here that the work that God has started in you, he is faithful to complete that work. Thank you, Lord Father. Lord, I just pray for everybody here today, Lord. Lord, I ask that through the teaching of your word and by your spirit, that you will really touch our hearts, O Lord Father. Touch our minds, O Lord Father. And as we seek you, Lord, Lord, we are asking that you will do a work in our hearts. That you will cause us, Lord, to not be stubborn, but to be yielded to you, O Lord Father. That you will help us to hear your voice more clearly. And that you will help us to be obedient followers, disciples of you, O Lord Father. Lord, you want us to build your house. And we are saying we are here. Use us. We are saying shape us and mold us to what you want us to be, O Lord Father. Use us to bring in your harvest. You said in in Matthew, to go and make disciples of all the nations. And Lord, we feel that as you are saying to us to build your house, you are telling us to go out and to make disciples, to bring in the stones. Help us to run with this mandate, O Lord Father. To seek you, O Lord Father. And to see your house be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.